Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be back with you. We're here today again with uh, uh, Brother Jim Edwards. Uh, welcome, Brother. Good to be here. Thank you, Brother good Swenson. To have you. Good to have you. We're, uh, we're going to cover Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 today, um, and we're going to dive in, but... Before we do, uh, Brother Edwards is a good friend, dear friend. Uh, I had the opportunity to teach uh, his, some of his children uh, when I was a seminary teacher there at uh, Centennial High School, and and uh, he has uh, been asked to serve as our institute director here at the Boise Nampa Institute. So wherever you are in the world, in the 12 different countries listening, uh, know that it's a fantastic place. Um, but for those of you that are local, uh, Brother Edwards, what what might you say, and, and maybe what might you say to all the young young adults listening? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the, the opportunity to talk about our awesome young adults that come yeah. here. We've been thrilled this last semester just to see uh, kind of a surge of, of young adults coming to Institute. It's nice to to have the pandemic uh, to be kind of done with those yeah. those chapters and, and to see a lot of people coming back into full swing again. Yeah. And it's just been awesome. What's been awesome is to see our young adults respond to the prophet's encouragement to gather. Uh, and so it's just really awesome to have our, our young adults invite their friends. We have uh, several of our young adults that aren't even members of our faith mm -hmm. that are gathering with us in some of our events and sporting activities and, and uh, even some of our classes. Yeah. And so I'm just grateful. Sometimes we talk about youth and young adults as the future leaders of the church. Mm -hmm. But maybe what I'd say to our young adults that are listening is, and this is reiterated from Elder Tasheda that spoke recently in a devotional at the Institute, he says, we, we are looking to you as leaders right now. We mm. need you right now as leaders. Mm. And that's reflected in recent changes with President, uh, the first president seen Quorum of the Twelve announced the changes in YSA wards and stakes. Yeah. Where the leadership, uh, other than a stake president and a bishop, you can have young single, young single adults serving as counselors in a stake presidency and a bishopric, a high uh. council. So the Lord, it means Won't it. Won't that be cool? He really means what he says. We're looking to our youth and young adults as today's leaders, not the future. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. My uh, son-in-law um, just was called as the elders quorum president in his ward, and he and him, he and my daughter uh, were married just this year. And, and so it's fun to see young adults step into those leadership roles, uh, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed, but 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 maybe that's better, right? Yeah. That they're they're less schooled in the ways of the priesthood or whatever, right? That they, that they maybe are just a little more uh, aware of the, of the spirit um, and, and wanting, to, wanting to help in ways that are effective for young adults, right? Well, uh, maybe on today's uh, podcast, as we talk about Matthew 1 and Luke 1, yeah. the stars of this, in many cases, are young adults. Right, yeah. We have Mary and Joseph, who would have been young adults. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Savior began his ministry just barely leaving the young adult world. Right. And so we know the capability of young, young adults from yeah. scriptures. And, 
And so hopefully something today will give encouragement to yeah. your son and others that. that are your son-in-law and others that are serving in, in these that. meaningful callings. Love that. Well, let's jump in. Let's uh, let's begin uh, Matt, uh, maybe in Matthew chapter one. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, you're the you're the. Uh, the first guest host we have this year uh, in the New Testament. We're excited to be here. Uh, Christ is finally here, and and we've, you know, got through the the Old Testament and all the, uh, the, fanfare of him coming, um, and even the the warnings uh, that the Old Testament uh, people needed. But but he's here now, and uh, maybe maybe just get us to Matthew. Who sure. who is. Uh, Christ, who is who is David? What does Matthew start with? How does he uh, how does he begin his uh, his testimony? Thank you. And maybe it would be good to point out that it says the Gospel according to Saint Matthew is kind of the title page of of this at the beginning of chapter one. Joseph Smith went through, and each of these Gospels changed that to say the testimony of Saint Matthew. Yeah. And so I, I like that that's more solid stance that this we're, we're listening to Matthew's testimony. Yeah. And in his case, he was an eyewitness. This is one of the original 12 apostles that was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. His name means gift of God, huh. which I think is kind of interesting because he's going to begin his testimony talking about God's greatest gift, his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so here you have someone with that name. Matthew talking about the greatest gift of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I would just remind you, my name is also Matthew. <laughs> and as a, a valued employee of yours, I, I uh, am a gift of God. I was going to say that myself, <laughs> but you said it so much better. <laughs> That's fun. Well, and, good. But he was a publican. He was a tax collector right. uh, before his conversion. And so obviously not looked up to in the Jewish community sure. as, as someone that, that would be very well uh, appreciated. Yeah. Um, his focus on his testimony seemed to focus on, you just mentioned the Old Testament we've been studying this whole past year. Mm -hmm. His focus is all those Old Testament prophecies pointing to the Messiah. He wants his audience to know, yeah. and it's a Jewish audience that he's, that he's reaching out to. Right. He wants his audience to know that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. Yeah. He points right to them and says, look, this is what was said, and here he is doing the things that were, were prophesied of. I love that. I love that. So, yes, you talked about David and, and Christ, and, and, and so he opens his, his account here in chapter 1 with several verses, almost half a chapter, about the genealogy leading up to right. Joseph, the yeah. father that would raise Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so it's, it's talking, uh, starting in verse 6, it's going from David, King David, uh, all the way down to verse, verse uh, 16, mm -hmm. um, who, uh, the lineage all the way to Joseph. And so there's 27 generations listed there. Mm -hmm. And these generations are, uh, it's showing the Davidic, the, uh, the Davidic lineage of uh, David's legal successors to the throne. Mm -hmm. And so by legal right, had Rome not been in charge of, of Israel and, uh, and, and Judea at this time, uh, Joseph literally would have been the king, and his rightful heir would be his son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's showing this, this rightful lineage to literally be the king. Yeah. Yeah, had Roman, uh, the Roman Empire not be in, in, have been in the ruling uh, class, uh, Christ probably would have been... Uh, <clears throat> literally hailed as the king yeah. that had been at his birth as opposed to being born in a manger where there was no room for him. Yeah. 
um, they would have rolled out all the carpets. So when we fast forward to his crucifixion mm. and the mocking sign above his head, King of the Jews, yeah. it was a true title. Little, literally would have been, yeah, yeah. That's, that's significant. Thank you for that. I, I might just point out uh, before we move off of that that you know, it's worth uh, our listeners' time to go and look at uh, this lineage. You know, it's, it's, it gets a little laborious to read through it because it's just the begat section, right? But, but, um, <clears throat> but it's interesting to see it written uh, side by side um, with the, you get another lineage in Luke. We'll talk about that when we get to Luke. But, but uh, it's interesting to see it and see that direct line um, because I don't know why, but to me, seeing it written out that way, uh, showing that that lineage is is just helpful. Yeah, uh, I have a, 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 a printed off reference to that in my scriptures awesome. to help me that way. So, might be worth our time. Well, perfect. Uh, so we're through the we're through maybe uh, that takes us through maybe verse sixteen, beginning of seventeen. So all the generations from Ab Abraham to David are fourteen generations, and from David until the carrying away in Babylon are fourteen generations. So there's twenty eight. And from carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations, right? So we're, we're now up to 42 generations from Abraham uh, out. Yeah. That's, that's a long time. <laughs> yes, it is. In fact, it's interesting. We have on the very first page of this testimony, the word Christ in verse 16, mm -hmm. uh, who Mary, uh, who, who uh, Jesus, who would be born of Mary, would be called Christ. Christ is, of course, the New Testament written in Greek, Old Testament written in Hebrew. Right. Christ is the Greek word for anointed one that the Old Testament word in Hebrew is Messiah. Oh. So it means literally the same, the same thing. The same thing. So that. just to reiterate that Christ was foreordained and chosen yeah. before this world was to be our Savior and yeah. our Redeemer. That's great. I love that. I, I hadn't realized that. That's cool. I, I'm just looking at the a cross reference um, at 16D. Uh, that that points us back kind of to that idea, right? That that uh, Joseph Smith translation adds. Um, so the the verse says, "And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus." And then insert Joseph Smith translations, as the prophets have <laughs> written, and then back to sixteen, who is called Christ, yeah. right? Pointing us back to the Old Testament prophets wow. and what they've done and taught. I love that. That's cool. And in today's day and age, boy, what a great reminder for our young adults yeah. to look to prophets, that yeah. the prophecies of our prophets, especially President Nelson, our right. current prophet, yeah. they will be fulfilled, just like these Old Testament prophets were. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I think that's so powerful. Awesome. So, he's being born. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's, let's set up the stage. Okay. So, we've got verse 18. The birth of Jesus starts here. His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Now that word espoused is promised to. Uh, it would have been a strict arrangement. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh, so it's like an engagement, but but it was as it was recognized as 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 if they were married. It was that strong of a of a relationship. However, there were some strict things imposed here. Um, she would have lived with her family or with friends, but they wouldn't really see each other during the espousal period. Um, they would have communication between the two be with a friend, mm. someone in between them. And really? so it was very strictly adhered to. Mm. That's interesting. And, uh, and, and, and so here's the end of verse 18. It's just a simple statement, but boy, there's a lot, of, there's a, there's a lot there. It mm. says that uh, before they came together, in other words, before they were married, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Now, 
maybe some people have offered their opinion on, on how she was able to conceive mm -hmm. our Savior Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is we just don't know. Yeah. And we just, all we have here is that it was with the, the power and influence of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so what a, what a miraculous thing, but boy, there's some serious implications and even challenges. Oh yeah. Tough, tough challenges with this sacred, sacred event that's just yeah. happened. Yeah, I, I think I think of uh, all the Old Testament miracles and, and things that happened, and it's very evident that you know God's capable of doing this type of thing. But but it hadn't been done. This this is the first time it's this and the last thing. time. Yeah, right, <laughs> first and last. And and so uh, I think about Joseph and and uh, you know in our day that would be yeah. uh, something that you'd you'd look sideways at a little bit. And but I can't imagine back then things were. Things were very black and white, cut yeah. and dry, and uh, still living the law of Moses. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were some pretty strict uh, instructions about what you could do yeah. um, if you found out your spouse was maybe cheating on you, and yeah. that's that's what would have been maybe in his mind. Or if somebody in their espousal was found with with child, that's yeah. the same kind of penalties. In fact, Joseph's left with two choices: he can seek for a trial and potentially have her condemned to death, yeah. which the Law of Moses would have supported. Wow. Or he could have uh, given her a, a bill of divorcement and put her away privily, as, mm -hmm. the, as the scriptures say, mm -hmm. which, which is the latter route that he chose. Mm -hmm. before, we, before we get to that, that part of the story, mm -hmm. I do want to just mention there's something significant of the fact that, that Jesus Christ has as his actual father of his physical body, mm -hmm. Is Heavenly Father, mm -hmm. and the uh, the mother of his physical body is his mother Mary. Mm -hmm. So from his mother Mary, he inherits full mortality. In other words, sometimes a Greek mythology you think is kind of a twisted version sure. of, of truth. Yeah. Hercules, for example, right, yeah. he's kind of half God, half man. Yeah. Jesus Christ is fully mortal. Mm -hmm. He inherited that from his mother. Mm -hmm. He's not a half God, half man. Right. It, fully mortal, and he inherited from his father, who is Heavenly Father, God the Father, mm -hmm. he inherited the ability to have power over death, yeah. the ability to have the resurrection occur. And so without the ability to both be fully mortal or the ability to die and the ability to overcome death, he could not perform and fulfill the atonement of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah that's big. Um, and and both of those things had to do with the last part of his life, really the ability to take up the take up his body again, um, and overcome death. Um, you know, I I think the and this is we'll learn this as we go in the podcast here, but um, his ability to be obedient, his ability to his ability to um, learn line upon line and never mess up once you've learned something, um, it, it speaks to his character. Mm -hmm not some godly uh, power like Hercules had to, to be strong, right? It was, it was Christ's character, who he came to earth as, mm -hmm. that gave him that, that capacity to, to be obedient and be perfect. Yeah. A little more relatable for us, too, with, yeah. to know that he felt all the same kinds of things that yeah. we feel in yeah. our mortal bodies. Yeah, I think too often we, we think of him and his father being God, and we we put on him well because of that he was able yeah. and I'm not well, no I think his his example um, and even his own words um, suggest that we can control 
um, given, you know, not perfectly, mm -hmm. but um, but in large measure, there's there's more we can do than we yeah. give ourselves credit for. Well said. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so so take us back in. We're uh, yeah. So verse nineteen. Yeah. Can you imagine Joseph's dilemma? Can you right. even imagine? And, and we don't have any record of a conversation that they would have had. And again, they probably wouldn't have had a conversation because sure. the communication during that period of espousal was, was with a friend. But can you imagine the friend saying, Joseph, I, I've got some news and I, I, I'm so sorry to even share this, but, yeah. but Mary's expecting. And can you imagine how Joseph must have felt? Well, the good man that he is, and maybe this was a test on his part to see how he'd react. He didn't get angry. He didn't get bitter. Hmm. He decided to not make her a public example as it says there, and he then decided to put her away privily. I love verse 20, the first word, but. Anytime you see the word but, there's a change here. Yeah. Whatever circumstances are happening, it's either going to be really good or it's actually going to get bad. Yeah. In this case, fortunately, it gets really good. Yeah. Even though he's grief-ridden, he's, he's decided to put her away privily. Uh -huh. While he was thinking on these things, he had a dream. And uh, maybe he fell asleep in his grief. You know, we have no idea, again, the details here. Mm -hmm. But he had a dream, and uh, an angel came to him in his dream. This is verse 20. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Can yeah, you imagine cool. how he must have felt when he heard those words? Yeah, yeah I... I uh... I think about you know the the arranged nature of the the marriage back then and then and the um, you know the the lack of you know courting maybe that we we think of today and and I I want so badly to see Joseph and Mary in a loving um, courtship that was you know a year or two in the making and and I think uh, I think maybe they they had that maybe because they were you know, related on some levels or they're, you know, close in association that they had some, and I hope that that's true. Um, but that, that um, you know, that assignment to be married, maybe they know little of each other. Yeah. And, and so that even makes this dream and his experience uh, more that, yeah. uh, you know, you had mentioned before, and I just thought I'd look it up, that, that um, the the law of Moses allowed for him to put her away. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, uh, that's in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. It says, When a man had taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in, eyes be in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, mm. then let him write her a bill of divorcement and uh, put, her in her hand, put it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Mm. So that's obviously the kindest way he could yeah. have done it, right? But but now he has this this vision, this dream, and to wake up from that dream and realize I don't have to do that. Um, whether he fully knew her and loved her, or he'd had this long commitment to her, um, he realizes he doesn't have to do that. And what a beautiful thing that was, yeah. regardless of their relationship yeah. before, right? And I wish we had a. Uh some sneak preview into their conversation that they had when they finally did come together. Yeah. And and for her to say, I, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to talk to you, but I didn't know what to say and yeah. what could I have said. And, right. and yeah. it just just that that warm embrace to know that nothing but sacred holiness has, has happened yeah. Yeah. and that there was no unfaithfulness on either part. Yeah, so cool. It makes the it makes the intimate life of their 
young married experience, really touching and tender, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, without getting weird about it, but but that uh, it makes that really a special kind of experience. And not only the relief here, he goes on to say, so verse 20 is the announcement that that, that baby inside of, of Mary is conceived by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And what kind of baby will this be? Can you imagine what Joseph must have felt when he heard these words in verses 21, 22, and 23? She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's interesting that Jesus literally means, if you look in the Bible dictionary, the name Jesus, which, by the way, was a pretty common Jewish name then, yeah. literally means God is help or Savior. Huh. So it's kind of cool <laughs> to think that his very name is, is, also describes his mission. Yeah. So now he's starting to think of all the prophecies of the Messiah, the anointed one to come and save them from their sins, and it's starting to sink in that just what kind of son he's, he's going to have. Yeah. All this was done that it might be fulfilled. And here's Matthew saying, this is a fulfillment of the prophecies. God keeps his promises, right? Yeah. Which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet saying, and when they say the prophet in the New Testament, they're talking about Isaiah. Just like yeah. we say the prophet is Joseph Smith. Right, yeah. Joseph Isaiah the is there, the prophet. The prophet, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. As Isaiah prophesied, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Hmm which being interpreted is God with us. And so there again, uh, Isaiah's prophecy 700 years earlier is coming to pass that God with us, God, Jehovah, the one who created the, the entire universe is literally now dwelling with, with them us. in the flesh. Yeah, that's he is cool. with them. That's pretty cool. Uh, it, it just made me think, um, you know, Isaiah 700 years B.C., um, and, and it made me think, man, it's sad that there wasn't anybody saying those things, you know, in the, in the intervening years yeah. from Malachi to, uh, but then I thought, it, that's not true entirely on the earth. We know that uh, on the American continent we had uh, prophecies happening. Great and, point. and my mind went to Alma chapter 7, the, the great verse about talking about, um, verse 11, talking about the pains he would go through. But, but I remembered that just before that, his birth had been prophesied of. And Alma chapter 7, verse 11 says, And behold, he shall be born of Mary. Uh, so her name is named, uh, this is 83-ish B.C., at Jerusalem, which is the land of our forefathers, she being a virgin, a precious and chosen vessel, who shall be overshadowed and conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and bring forth a son, yea, even the Son of God. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it's just cool because all those things that, that we've talked about uh, so far are so clearly articulated in one yeah. verse in the Book of Mormon, right? Uh, that, that the power of the Holy Ghost is how she was conceived, that, uh, that Mary would be her name, yeah. that, uh, uh, that it would be in Jerusalem that it happened. You know, all, just all those things that, um, that all come together. It's so cool that, uh, that prophets, whether it's Isaiah uh, or in this case Alma, that's, that's having such clear descriptions of Christ's birth, um, that prophets did and do uh, speak for the Lord and teach us what's coming. I love that. And, and a lot of times these prophecies are fulfilled by miracles. Yeah. Sometimes we might think, well, how can this prophecy even happen? Because there's, there's no way. It's impossible. And, and that's what's cool about this. And when we get to Luke 1 in just a minute, yeah. we're talking about two miraculous birth stories. Mm. The birth of Jesus Christ, a virgin giving birth, literally bearing the Son of God. Uh, that's, that's incredible. And that's miraculous. Uh, in Elizabeth, we'll get there in a minute here, but here you have this woman that's past the years of giving birth. Right. She and her husband are old, well stricken in years, mm -hmm. 
and yet they're able to have a baby. Yeah. These are miraculous things. And so today when prophets testify and prophesy of things that need to happen, in our minds we may be tempted to think, how's that going to happen? How's that even possible? And yet a lot of times these prophecies are fulfilled with incredible miracles. Yeah. And so I'm excited to hear what our prophet has already mentioned to us several times that seek for and expect miracles yeah. and that the greatest miracles, especially associated with the gathering, are yet to come. Right. And so yeah. exciting to think about. Well, and it's interesting too, and I wonder if maybe there's some application here for us that, that sometimes we hear prophetic statements and instruction and counsel. Um, the, the one that comes to my mind is President Nelson's um, in the last couple of years multiple times saying, uh, the equivalent of you need to have the spirit with you to survive, right? That it will be impossible to survive without the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost guiding and directing all your actions, right? And I, and I wonder if when we talk about miracles, we talk about these kinds of events, parting of the sea, big, big massive events, right? And, and, and for sure, those things will happen. We'll see, um, it, associated with the gathering, we're, we're going to see big massive yeah. miracles, right? But but we have to look for them first. But I wonder if in these small things, uh, those not that having the Holy Ghost with us all the time is a small thing, but but it isn't a watch for it in the world kind of event. Yeah. It's a watch for it in your life kind of event. Can Do we have the same amount of faith for our personal experiences to believe that God is going to change me if I make the efforts to have the Holy Ghost with me, that the miracles that will come into my life will happen because I followed the prophetic counsel and I knew that if I was obedient to it, I would see miracles, in my, not, not yeah. just out in the world, but in my life. And I, I wonder sometimes if we hear those statements, which are great and mm -hmm. bumper sticker kind of statements, right? Um, but, but we put them on our car instead yeah. of putting them in our heart and establishing them as who I need to become. I, I need to have the Holy Ghost. I need to change some behaviors maybe. Um, so that I can have the constant companionship and survive. Yeah, right? I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I would hate for any of our young adults listening to think that miracles only come in the form of these incredible yeah. things that sometimes the greatest miracles of all really are the changing and conversion of a, of a soul, yeah. changing of attitudes and dispositions, uh, increasing our faith. Sometimes the greatest miracle of all is still loving the Lord and trusting in Him and following Him. Yeah even when and especially when the things we ask for don't come to pass. Right, yeah. And so I, I love that. That's the miracles that we ought to all look for yeah. on a daily basis. And, and look for them not only in others, uh, but in ourselves, right? Yeah. That, that I can see myself changing um, when I'm looking for it. When I'm seeing, I might not be perfect. I might still struggle with the same things I've struggled with for the last 20 years. But my heart has changed, yeah. and I don't want to be struggling anymore. Yeah. Um, and I start to see myself changing behaviors little by little that eventually will bring the Spirit more fully in my life and, and uh, make those changes. Yeah, I just think that's, that's the miracle I need. Yeah. <laughs> right? As, as cool as it would be to see all the other ones, I, yeah. the one I need is me fixed. Yeah. Right? Well, I love that. That's and and I, I, I hope that our... I hope that we can hold on to the promises that we've been given, yeah. uh, our patriarchal blessings, their baptismal covenants, yeah. other covenants that we've made. Yeah. Those promises will come, and that yeah. will feel miraculous to us when they do. Yeah. So don't give up. God keeps His promises. Yeah. That's that's the message of, of the New Testament right. again and again and again. For sure. For sure. And this is proof of it right here. Uh, all the prophets that have come before prophesied of this event, and here it is. That's happening. it. And just the way they said it would, too. 
Awesome. Anything else in Matthew 1 you want to touch on before we Nope, that's great. In? So just, just verse 24, then Joseph wakes up from his sleep. You ever had a, a dream where you yeah. wake up and you're just so glad that uh -huh. it was just a dream yep. and then it's not real life? Yep. This is the opposite. Yeah, he woke right. up and said, uh, oh my goodness, I am so glad I had that dream. And I, I, his whole outlook from the time he went to bed yep. and when he woke up, 180 degrees different. Yeah, totally. and, and what a joy he must have felt. You know, I've had experiences where when I'm living most right, I think sometimes the Lord uses me, my, my sleeping time to teach me things. And so I've had moments where I woke up and know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but this would have been like, oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, right? that's an easy commandment to follow. I'm yeah. gonna take her to be my wife. Yeah. But still, you can imagine the challenges that would have been there with her being expecting and they knew that they'd only been married for this much time. Yeah. And so you can imagine the judgments that people would have had on both of them. That. Right. And so just still, the, the challenges and the difficulties and the trial that this must have been for them yeah. is, is pretty intense. Well, and I, I love the last verse too, verse 25. Um, and he, speaking of Joseph, right? And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and, and he called his name Jesus. You know, we, we, I touched on earlier the intimacy of, of, a, of a newlywed couple. Yeah. Um, and how, how, what does this teach us about Joseph? Yeah. You know, to, to love Mary so deeply yeah. and respect this experience so much uh, that that uh, natural man yeah. thing uh, was something he was willing to set aside until this great thing, this great event had, had occurred. Yeah, uh, these are cool. two remarkable young adults, uh, yeah. truly uh, Joseph as Mary right. foreordained to raise the Son of God. It's, yeah. it's an incredible task. It speaks to who, who they are. Yeah, love it. Love it. So Luke... Luke chapter 1? Yeah, Luke. He's not one of the original 12 apostles. No. Luke was a, uh -huh. in fact, he was a Gentile. He's Gentile birth. Uh -huh. um, Luke uh, was probably a, a, a physician is, is what he was known as. Uh -huh. um, he, this is the longest book in the Old Testament. Uh -huh. And not only did he write the book of Luke, but Luke also wrote Acts. Uh -huh. And so it's just, we, we owe a lot to Luke. We're so grateful for, for what yeah. he's uh, given us. Yeah. And so his is, uh, he was a companion of Paul, which is probably where he learned the things that he wrote his witness about. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so just, just a, a, great, a great man and a, and a great, uh, in fact, the very verse, first verse, uh, there's a Joseph Smith translation here. It says, as I am a messenger of Jesus Christ, and then goes into the rest of verse mm -hmm. one, he calls himself a messenger of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited to, 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 to learn together what his message was about our Savior. Yeah, and, and that he's teaching those that already believe. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and pointing those that are believing back to Christ and teaching of his experience. And again, you know, the, the New Testament, like you shared earlier, the New Testament claims this as the gospel according to Luke. Yeah. But Joseph Smith translation changes that to the testimony of St. Luke. I love that. I, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that... Uh, it, it, it references that the gospel wasn't different yeah. for Luke and it wasn't different for Matthew. It, just like for you and I, we live it differently and we mm -hmm. see it differently a little bit here and there. Our testimonies are different, but, but the gospel is the same. Yeah. It's just uh, our testimony of it is a little different. So I love that. Yeah. Luke 1 is uh, sometimes referred to as the Annunciation chapter. Yeah. When we say Annunciation, there's, there's some incredible announcements. In fact, there'd be two great announcements that we're going to just kind of briefly go through here as we study Luke chapter 1. Okay. I think as a father, uh, the, probably the greatest announcement I ever made to my family 
was a spontaneous trip that they thought we were coming home back to Boise uh, from a, a, re a family reunion in, in Utah. And we were going the other direction and they didn't notice it for a while. And then somebody <laughs> said, hey, why are we in Vegas? Yeah, what's, <laughs> why does it say Las Vegas 200 miles or whatever? And, and that's when I made the grand announcement, we're going to Disneyland. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it recorded and the kids were just screaming with pure joy. And uh, I mean, that was quite an announcement. But as exciting as that was, or any announcement that I've ever given, it all pales oh, yeah. into comparison of these two great announcements that yeah. were made in this chapter. Cool. So I'm excited cool. to, yeah, to dive in. Cool. It starts in verse 5. Days of Herod. So there was a king in, in uh, Israel, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a puppet king, mm -hmm. who was beholden to the, the whims of the Roman Empire, right. who was in charge of everything. Right. And uh, it was in his days we have uh, two new people. These are not young adults. These are old older adults, yeah. <laughs> Zacharias and Elizabeth. His wife, right? Yep, and so uh, uh, that's, that's the characters we introduce now. Verse six, these were solid, solid, faithful, faithful believers, yeah. both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Mm -hmm. But here's the classic scenario. What's the, what's the problem that was the problem with so many women yeah, in have, Israel? Have children. Yeah, have children. they're barren. Like Rebecca, like Rachel, like Sariah, uh, Sarah of old, uh, Hannah, wasn't able to have children. And so they've gone their whole life without any child. And uh, verse 7 says that they are now both well stricken in years. And so those days are gone. Yeah. There's, there's really no hope for that. And so that's the, that's the circumstances we start this chapter with. Hmm. Well, and I think that's uh, just a couple of things I think are significant. You know, we... we well, in the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we miss uh, the Persian Empire. We miss, we just miss a whole bunch of, of political stuff. And, and I think it just is important to know that uh, the Roman rule uh, happens maybe a hundred-ish years before mm -hmm. um, Christ comes in. And, and, uh, and I think it's just that, that they allowed the Jewish people to kind of rule themselves generally. Um, and so this this king uh, was really under the, the rule yeah. of uh, Roman, yeah. you know, Caesar. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's first. But but second, um, the idea that they are well stricken in years and the trial and the challenge that came to Zacharias and his wife. Um, when when we recorded maybe a, a week or so ago, we, we were talking a little bit about this um, when we talked with uh, Sister Burke. Um, in our actually, it's a coming episode. We've, we've, we're a little ahead. Um, she shares, and I'll let her do this more. But she shares the idea that um, that would have been a hard trial that uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth went through, but there was a reason for it. Yeah. And the reason was John the Baptist needed to be the same age <laughs> as ish as Christ. We needed to have them close enough in in years that had Elizabeth and. Uh, and Zacharias had them when normal childbearing years, that there would have been this disconnect between the two that needed to be so close and yeah. needed to have that relationship together. And, and so it's just interesting that the Lord uses um, our trials sometimes uh, to bring to pass things that are so much greater than the, the yeah. blessing we think we would have if we had what we wanted. Yeah, I love that idea. Kind of cool. Yeah, we can totally trust the Lord in, in, in these ways, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this is a remarkable thing. Verse 8 and 9, um, we, we go now to the temple. Our, our scene shifts to the temple. And, and, and keep in mind that Zechariah was a priest 
of that priestly line, and right. so he had the authority of the priesthood to officiate in temple ordinances. Verse 8, and while it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, and if you look at the footnote, there's a Joseph Smith translation that talks about his course or his priesthood. Mm -hmm. Now this is just stated, just one little verse, and we have the tendency to go on. I don't think I fully understood what it means to be able to officiate in the priest's office. Verse 9, here's, here's what his, his job was that day. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Lot meaning it was his duty, it, was, it fell his on him. It was yeah. his, and how is that done? Kent Brown, uh, a professor of religion at BYU, he said, according to the Mishnah, which is a compilation of Jewish laws dating from the era before AD 200, a priest is allowed only once during his lifetime to light the incense. Yeah. So this isn't just something that they take care of, you know, everyone gets a chance every other week or something. Yeah. This is his one shot to go into the temple and light the incense. And you might recall that the, the, the table of incense is right before the curtain that separates that, that, uh, the, the, that room from the Holy of Holies. Yeah. And, and so the, uh, this, this was a sacred assignment, and, and the Holy of Holies was believed to represent the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so everybody that went into this would also offer a prayer, and their prayer would always be focused on redemption for Israel, yeah. salvation for their souls. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they fully expected the possibility of, of having some kind of heavenly manifestation, some kind of vision. If the Lord were ever to, to talk or communicate, they felt that it would be in his house. Yeah. And, and it would be with that priest that day that gets to go in to, to burn incense. Yeah, that's really cool. So this is a sacred, sweet moment that his whole life, even in his old age, now he here he is. It's his turn to burn the incense. this opportunity. I might, I might add to that that uh, Elder McConkie um, has suggested that there maybe were as many as 20,000 priests at the time <laughs> living in and around Jerusalem. Uh, in uh, and in and in Jesus the Christ, we hear we we read we can read full pages about that experience and how that would have been the case. Exodus chapter thirty teaches us about that uh, that specific assignment. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a big deal that the, this was his day, yeah. right, so to speak, and if, at his age that that would be the thing he's going to go do is pretty cool. He'd, he'd be looking yeah. forward to it probably his whole life. And again, for our audience, as we watch this unfold, let's let's be thinking about what are some of our unanswered prayers. Yeah. And the example of Zacharias and Elizabeth, he's still doing his duties, and even though he hasn't. And you know that they've had countless prayers yeah. for so many years. Please give us a child, give yeah. us a son, give us a daughter. And, and so as we ponder our own lives, what are some of our unanswered prayers that we're experiencing? And, and what could be the purpose for the Lord delaying some of these things? And, and so we'll, we'll try to yeah. see this unfold as we, as we go into okay. this further. So here we have, uh, he's, he's, he's burning incense. Verse 10, the whole multitude of priests are praying on the outside of the, taber of the tabernacle, of the temple, excuse me, and uh, while he's praying on the inside, while he's burning incense. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, Classic reaction, right? He was troubled. <laughs> the first thing yeah. angels always have to say is, fear not. <laughs> yeah, right. Fear fell on him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And you might think, thy prayer is heard. Is this a prayer for to have a son? Mm. 
while officiating in his priestly office, he would be praying for the redemption of Israel. Sure. In fact, we see the next, huh. and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. So, so it's, two things, yes. I heard you, and this, I also heard that. <laughs> yes, and I've heard your prayer all those years oh, that you've prayed. like that. That you've prayed, and uh, and your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son, and he even tells him what he should call his, his name, and his name shall be John. Well, That's you can imagine. Too, yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have been a family name. That's right. But to be told. Yeah, very specific. Just like Mary and and Joseph were yeah. both told that you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so cool. uh, the angel continues. And we learn from other places, Luke gives us uh, a, a little bit later here the name of this angel, it's Gabriel. Uh, verse 14, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. That is the mission of this son of theirs that's going to be born. Again, this is a miraculous birth number two. An old woman is going to be able to conceive and have a son. And what will this son do? He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. Isaiah prophesied about him. Malachi prophesied about him. We see prophecies about him in the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jesus would later say of his cousin John the Baptist that there was not a greater prophet mm. among prophets than mm. John the Baptist. Mm. And, uh, and what's his mission? It's verse 16, to turn the children of Israel and prepare the way for, for Jesus Christ to begin his ministry and to save mankind. Yeah. What a, what a job. <laughs> yeah, that, that verse, to turn his, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. The verse in, uh, I think it's in Zechariah where he says, uh, the Lord says, if you turn unto me, I will turn unto yeah, you. Yeah, right? I love that. And in yeah. fact, the word turn really is the root meaning of repentance. Right. It's to turn again to. Yeah. And so John is going to turn their attention to their Savior, mm. to their Messiah. Yeah. And and then verse 17. Yeah. Uh, he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hearts of the fathers to the children. Interesting. That is interesting. In fact, uh, I wrote in my scriptures here, and this was back in the old days. Remember, you used to talk about the threefold mission of the church? Yeah, right. Redeeming the dead is this first one, turning hearts of fathers to the children and vice versa. And then disobedient to the wisdom, that's inviting, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Missionary work, right? right? Inviting those that are disobedient to come and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's perfecting the saints. That's how we used to say that. Mission right there. But that's right. Living that's cool. the gospel of Jesus Christ is how our, our current handbook and, and prophets have taught us today. But huh. you see the missions of the church right there. Yeah, that's really great. In the beginning, opening scene of the New Testament, just as we have. And if you were to go to our handbook, it's in the very first few paragraphs of our church handbook. Yeah. Yeah. The same purposes of the church. Even if we don't, uh, and I don't know that young adults maybe would even remember those days when we, we yeah. spoke of things like that. I think we stopped doing that. Uh, I think I was on my mission maybe 23 years ago um, <laughs> when that changed. So we, we may have some young adults that don't, don't know about that. But that, that used to be a direct, you know, I think it was, I don't know, quarterly or monthly. We would sit in elders quorum and we'd break up into our little committees yeah. and, and we'd talk about how we're going to do one of those uh, yeah. three missions of the church. And that used to be uh, a thing that we do. But now it's kind of the, the backbone, right? Yeah. Those are the three things we talk about. I love the next verse because... <laughs> 
<laughs> and Zechariah says unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this, for I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. It's kind of like, prove it. How, yeah. how am I going to know this is happening? Because, like, <laughs> I just doubt it. I just yeah. doubt it, right? I, I love this account because it's, it shows the reality. These are real people. And honestly, <laughs> would we react any differently? Yeah, probably not. I, we can't blame Zechariah as a faithless, in fact, I'll just point out now, in fear that I might forget later in the episode <laughs> here, but Zechariah probably was the first Christian martyr of the New Testament yeah, days. Right. Uh, he, Acts records that he was slain between the altars of the temple uh, when he refused to give the whereabouts of his son, John the Baptist. Mm. And uh, so he was willing to give his life for this cause. And so I want to just point out, what a, what a great man. We can't blame him for yeah. saying, how is this going to work? How, gonna how does this work? My wife's kind of old and so well, am I. And, and you know even with modern technology maybe we understand a little better but but you know women are only capable for so long because they don't have the capacity any longer and yeah. so that that's a, a significant we, we literally can't blame them can we yeah and the angels answer and this is where we get his name I am Gabriel by the way yeah. who the heck is Gabriel yeah, brother Swenson that, that's, uh, is it uh, is it Moses? I had to go to the Bible dictionary. Yeah, okay, good. So uh, I'm not, Because I had uh, forgotten, yeah. yeah. It's Noah. Oh, Noah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I got to thinking, why Noah, of all, yeah. the, of all people, why would Noah come back and be this angel to make these grand announcements? Right. And I don't know. Here's just a thought that I had. Uh, Noah was on the scene when God was trying to save all humanity physically oh, right. from the flood. Yeah. It was Noah that would provide that physical salvation and, uh, and so now here he is on the scene when the world's spiritual salvation is at stake. Yeah. And Noah is that great prophet hmm. or that great angel now to, uh, to assist in these annunciations and yeah. preparing yeah. for the things that would unfold for spiritual salvation. So. Well, isn't it cool that the Lord uses prophets from different dispensations that were significant um, to bring messages, right? Yeah. That, that he, he goes to Moses and has Moses come and bring uh, the priesthood uh, keys to the salvation of his people, um, the, the, gather, the, the sealing of his people, right, that they could be sealed together, those sealing keys. Um, he goes to Noah yeah. uh, to call forth the saving yeah. of all of his people, right? And uh, I think it's cool. It makes you kind of wonder a little bit uh, what the uh, who will be present at the angel calling in yeah. the savior and and helping with that and you know whether it's a a modern prophet or a joseph that yeah. comes back to do some things right at the very end and in the ushering into the millennium maybe and i and i wonder was was zacharias aware and the reason we know this this is gabriel uh history of the church joseph smith is the one that taught us this history right. of the church volume three is where we find that reference and that reference is found in the Bible Dictionary under Gabriel. Yeah, that's really cool. But wouldn't it have been awesome if, if you were Zechariah, wouldn't you have had a few questions about the oh, ark? Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> and the animals, and how did all that work? Okay, cool. We're going to have a kid, yeah. but i got some questions. <laughs> if, if any angel knows about impossible things working, right. yeah. it would be him. Oh, for sure. And so here he is telling, you want to know how this is going to happen? Yeah. Well, I'm Gabriel. Yeah. I'm, I'm Noah. I know about <laughs> impossible things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue on. Sorry, Brother Swenson. Yeah. Um, and am sent to speak unto thee and to shew thee these th glad tidings. Now this is the, he, remember he'd asked, Zacharias had asked, how am I going to know this? So Gabriel says, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day of these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, right? 
which shall be fulfilled in their season. So because you questioned whether, <laughs> uh, okay, and, and I would have had the same questions, and, and I'm, not, I'm not downplaying Zacharias' questioning at all, but if an angel is standing in front yeah. of you saying this is going to happen, that you go, um, <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't know. I think maybe, uh, I would hope that heavenly messenger standing in front of me would maybe be like, okay, cool. Whatever you say, I will, I will listen, right? Yeah. That's funny. So he's going to be dumb and not yeah. be able to speak until the day that uh, she bears a child. And again, not to condemn Zacharias, no. Zacharias at all, because I think there's purpose in this. Yeah. There's purpose in him being struck dumb for a period of nine months while his wife's uh, growing closer and closer to that delivery date. Uh, verse 21, the people were waiting outside while this is happening, yeah. right? They're still waiting outside. And they marveled that he took so long. He's tearing inside the temple. What's going on? Usually it doesn't take a long time to light mm -hmm. the incense and yeah. say a few prayers. Not that it was just a quick little thing, but he was in there a while. Verse 22, and when he came out, he could not speak unto them. Can you imagine what the people must have felt then? Oh, yeah. They've been waiting for him with great anticipation. Is he okay? Is everything sure. going on? Yeah. What's going on there? And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So that idea that, I, I, why did the Lord strike him? I think there's greater purpose here. There's going to be a greater impact when the people see him coming out that something incredible must have happened. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we, we, uh, we continue our story. Verse 24, after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived. God keeps his promises even if it means through miracles. Now, can you imagine somewhere there would have been some kind of announcement from her sure. to family and friends? Yeah. Can you imagine at the dinner table or, or the Thanksgiving table, you've got family and friends or yeah. whatever, and, and, and she uh, dings her fork on the glass. Uh, I've got mm. an announcement to make. Can you imagine the reaction of her family hearing the miraculous things that have happened in her life as yeah. an old woman? It's, it's just incredible. Again, God keeps His promises even if it's through miracles. Mm. And He'll do the same for us. And so we got to hold on to that. And this story gives us that kind of faith. Yeah. That's really cool. And, and you know, we're, we're coming to where the, the same angel goes to Mary. Um, but but I, think, I think they're... You know, if you if you put the stories together, the the Christ is coming and the John the Baptist, that prophet that's going to prepare the way, and you think about um, him coming out, Zacharias coming out of the temple. I wonder if there was some desire of the Lord to have it be a quiet event that yeah. these two births would be quiet events. That had Zacharias come out and said. I just saw an angel. He said, I'm, my wife's going to have a child, and she's so old. There's no way. So watch. This is going to be cool. This will be the, the prophet that leads, and his name's going to be John. And, you know, if he'd have been able to go out and do all that, what kind of hoopla had, would there have been? Yeah. Watching uh, Elizabeth and being aware of that, and then, and then who, okay, who, who's right. it, right? That would have been, it would have not been the Christ's birth story yeah. that we have today. It would have yeah. been a very different um, fanfare maybe yeah. even and yeah. uh, and so the lord knows what he's doing it, he does it's in, it is interesting to even compare and contrast mary's kind of quiet birth scene and you oh, can imagine yeah. all these people gathered when elizabeth right. in, her, in her old age yeah. and everybody knew about it yeah. and, the, and the experience that happened in the temple and that zacharias is now dumb in fact we hear too that uh in, in just a little bit that <clears throat> it, it appears that he might even be deaf as well 
And mm -hmm. so what a, what a trial that would be, but something, God's in this somehow, and so this would have been, there's purpose in this again, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's reasons for this. We'll see it unfold a little bit better. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so now we shift gears to the second great announcement, starting in verse 26 is where we pick up the story. Yeah, and in 24, we have Elizabeth conceiving and hid herself five months. So she's five months pregnant, and, uh, and then we get into 26, and, and Gabriel comes back, but now he's visiting uh, with Mary. Uh, yeah. He was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth. So there we have uh, the city of... And that's where city. Mary currently is, yeah. uh, in, in Nazareth. And uh, so this is Luke's introduction of Mary, a spouse to Joseph, mm -hmm. uh, a virgin there. And, uh, and the angel, the angel's announcement to her starts in verse 28. Yeah. An angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And again, that, that salutation to Mary is a description of the kind of right. faithful, foreordained to do this incredible, uh, miraculous thing in her life, yeah. to, to be the mother of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Well, and the next verse speaks to that character, right? When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation that should be. It, it, compare that to Zechariah in, in verse 12. Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear it fell upon him, right? He's afraid. But Mary sees this angel come and say, you're blessed and, and you're all these wonderful things. And Mary, I can just imagine her, her downcast eyes thinking, I am not. I am not who you said I am. Yeah. And and not the not the same fear maybe that that Zacharias was feeling, but maybe some. Yeah. Um, but but just speaks to her humility that why why are you saying that yeah. I am all this? I'm not. Um, That's a great humble. point. I wonder how many of our young adults who have had patriarchal blessings um, read those blessings and they think I think they got the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this can't be me. These things can't happen to me. Yeah. And yet I hope. That, that our that our audience listening to this would would take their young adult their 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 blessings their patriarchal blessings yeah. and believe it and trust it because we we can relate to Mary she felt the same uh, yeah. yeah you know I love that I, and and it reminds me of uh, training you and I had a couple of years ago with Elder Bednar um, where he it, it, well let me let me preface it with this. <clears throat> We've heard from prophets and apostles for, for many years about this generation, and that they are the greatest generation that's come to earth, that the Lord um, reserved them to come forth now to usher in the Savior and the millennium and all those things and, and prepare the way. Um, and, and in a training we were in, maybe you and I were in, maybe you'll remember this, uh, towards that latter part of the training, um, uh, Elder Bednar says, uh, somebody asked him, he says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And he was talking to a bunch of teachers and and Elder Bednar says, yeah, you know, I would, I would share that uh, when we tell the young people how great they are, we need to recognize that we, he was a little more animated than I'm being, um, he, he said, effectively he's saying, we need to recognize that they come to earth with the capacity to be that, but they are not yet that. And that our, our role is to assist in becoming who they're sent here with the capacity to be. And, and so I don't want that to be heard and, and thought, well, you're not great because you are, out, out, those out there that are young adults. But I think too often um, we hear that 
uh, counsel, that instruction, you are great, you are wonderful. And our young people think, no, I'm not. I've got problems and I'm yeah. struggling and I'm, and, uh, you know, I'm tempted and I'm all these things that I shouldn't be if I'm this great generation yeah. person. And, uh, and I think this is what Mary's experiencing here, yeah. thinking, I'm not all these things. I struggle. I'm a, I'm a person too. Um, but, but what's the message? The message is there are those out there who have put it, been put in your life to assist you to become. Um, n- not that you and I are better just we're farther down the road and have some training in how to teach them, right? Um, and, and that might be uh, a resource that we might be able to help them become something I was not and am not. Um, that uh, that I, I see the youth today, and I think there's no way in the world I would have gone to the temple at 5 o'clock in the morning, even if I had my own recommend, yeah. right? We didn't have that back in the day. I was not who they are today. Yeah. Um, they do come with that capacity, but, but we have to help them see that and for those of you out there that are feeling maybe like Mary, that, oh, why are you saying this about me? Man, that's true. You are all those things. Um, but as Elder Bednar says, we have to, you have to become that. You have yeah. to work at that. That's so well said. Um, I think that's why our prophet this last May uh, talked to the young adults in that worldwide devotional yeah. and helped them understand that in a world of a lot of labels that we give ourselves and unfortunately that even others give us, yeah. So tragic it is when we believe the labels other people give us. Right, yeah. Uh, that first and foremost, our young adults are children of God. Yeah. And they're children of the covenant. And they're disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and what makes them those things is not their perfection, which none of us have. Right. And, uh, and, and so really, so how, 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 does, how does a young adult navigate through their imperfection and, and still trust what the Lord says they are and who they are? I think it's what the prophet's been teaching all of us, daily joyful repentance, right? We continue to strive to be better. Uh, the continuing guiding influence mm. of the Holy Ghost, yeah. right? That as, as, we re- as we hold on to revelation, as we daily joyfully repent, we will attain the stature of what the Lord needs us to be. Mm. And our young adults, I hope they can have full confidence in that as they, as they, as they look at Mary as a great example of this. Yeah, right, yeah. I think that's great. Um, and, and I don't mean to skip forward here, but... But uh, similar to Zacharias, Mary asks a question. She says uh, in verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, this is after the angel has said, Right, so here's announcement number two. You're going to bear the Son of God and His name will be Jesus. And I I want you to go back and touch on that. No, that's okay. This is the idea here, though, that that asking questions isn't wrong. She says, "Um, how shall this be, seeing I know no man? She asks the question. Zacharias differently says, Prove it effectively, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, how, where, whereby, how am I going to know this, right? Not explain how this is happening, just prove it to me. Uh, Mary, on the other hand, asks a question. Yeah. Seeing as how I know no man, how's this going to? Yeah, how does this, this work? going to work, yeah. right? Teach me something. And I think that is maybe the answer. That when you're yeah. feeling less than capable, go to the Lord and ask Him how I'm supposed to do this thing, right? Then rather than. Nah, that's not me. I'm, I'm incapable that. of that. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. So back us up a little bit. Go to, go, go to this uh, yeah, verse. Yeah, verse 31. After uh, Mary, fear not, thou hast found favor with God. In verse 30, verse 31. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There's the second great announcement. And, and, and we're not just talking about any son named Jesus, which again was kind of a common name of that day. Mm-hmm. This Jesus would be different. Verse 32, he shall be great, mm-hmm. and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, mm-hmm. and the Lord God shall give unto him 
the throne of his of his father David. Mm. So we're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the promised Messiah, and 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 if, if the Book of Mormon people knew that Jesus would be the name of this Messiah. We don't see that prophesied in any Old Testament prophecies in the Bible. Right. We have it only in the Book right. of Mormon. Yeah. You can imagine that faithful mothers, many of them would have named their children, their sons Jesus right. for, for hope that maybe he would right. be the He's one. The and, one. <laughs> and, and here you have Mary being told that she's going to name her son Jesus. And, uh -huh. and so you can see why this would be a common name back then. But the son of the highest, we're talking uh, a, a miraculous virgin birth. In fact, in answer to the question, how's this going to work? He answers at verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Yeah. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Yeah. So again, Jesus inherits full mortality from his mortal mother and full immortality from his, from his uh, perfect God the Father. Yeah. And so that's why he would be called, Jesus would be called the only begotten son, uh, or a, a longer version of that in other places of scripture, only begotten in the flesh. He's the only person ever born on earth. Every single person that's ever been born has had a mortal mother. Yeah. But he's the only person that's also had for the father of his flesh, his, was his heavenly father. Yeah. He's the only begotten in the flesh of, yeah, of that's God. That's really cool. You know, there's something else here that maybe takes us back. Uh, verse 32, uh, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Um, you know, if I'm Mary, I'm hearing that thinking, oh man, my son's going to be the king again. We're going to have a king on earth again. Yeah. And we're going to take back over from the Roman rule, and my son's going to be wow. that, right? Maybe that's... And then and imagine now as a mother to watch her son go through the things he was going to go through and die on a cross, thinking, how how is this the... The king yeah. that is back on the throne of David, and and we know, you know, wow. with with the prophetic statements and understanding we have twenty two hundred years later, um, that that uh, he is that yeah. he will be placed on the on the throne, and we will worship him as such. But wow, in this moment, she had no idea what was coming to no, her son, though, did no she? Idea. Yeah. No idea. Wow. Yeah, I love the I love the next uh, the next announcement to Mary in verse 36. <laughs> Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Remember in verse 24, um, at Elizabeth, after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. So she had gone and been like, okay, we're, we're going to do this alone. And uh, probably this was Mary's first Oh, Elizabeth's pregnant? Yeah. Good <laughs> her point. cousin? Now, her cousin was significantly older than her, right? But how exciting for her to see mm -hmm. that, hey, we're gonna, I get to do this with a loved one of mine. We, we get to have children together. And, and he must have perceived Mary's next question, yeah. how in the world did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> in verse 37, it's, it's uh, the, the short and sweet answer, yeah. for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Yeah. I had a, a seminary student years ago never paid attention to a single lesson I taught. <laughs> and so sometimes I'd call on him just to kind of keep him engaged keep a little bit. In the room, yeah. And, uh, and he, whatever the, didn't matter what the question was, his answer was always the same. His head would come up and he'd say, Luke 137. Oh. And then he'd put his head down. <laughs> so we as a That's class awesome. would go there and you know what? His answer actually fit the question most, right, of the time. most of the time. With God, really. nothing shall be impossible. <laughs> but, but that's the message that just encourages me so much in my own life as mm -hmm. I think about the impossible things that sometimes 
me or someone in my family might be facing or someone that I care about. And I just have this witness, and these, and these stories give us that, that evidence yeah. that with God, there really isn't anything at all impossible. Especially when you act like Mary did in verse 38. Uh, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I, I, okay, I, am, I will do what the Lord asks. Be it unto me according to thy word. And she, the angel departed from her, and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with the haste into that city of Judah to go see her. Yeah. Uh, her cousin there. She just got up and did it. Didn't said, waste okay. any time, did she? Uh, she was so excited to go see her yeah, cousin. Yeah. Uh, but can you imagine? So again, any of our uh, young adults that might be listening to this podcast, what impossible things do you face? Mm. Are there things that you just feel like, you know what, I've tried for years and I just can't overcome this, or I prayed for this blessing for years and it hasn't come. Yeah. I hope that we'll look to these great faithful women, Mary and Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. uh, to know that there is nothing impossible with God yeah. and that while things may take time, they will come. Elder, Elder Holland said, some, some come soon, some come later, and some come don't, don't come till heaven. Right. But those blessings will come. They will all come. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just maybe uh, to wrap things up, she, uh, she goes and she um, enters into the house of Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. And it came to pass, as verse 41, that... When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, <laughs> and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember back to uh, verse 15, um, we're, we're learning about John the Baptist, and speaking of John the Baptist, he says, uh, the angel says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. While the... While the uh, Savior comes into the room, even in the womb. Yeah, John the Baptist leaps in the womb. He's so excited to be yeah. with him. And I love that. Is he almost can't can't help but give witness. Yeah. And if that means as a little baby leaping in the womb, yeah, you can imagine. And and the Holy Ghost in this. How excited the Holy Ghost right. must have been to give that witness to this little baby. Oh, and, sure. and how that works, we'll never fully understand. But the anxiety and anxiousness and excitement of John the Baptist to prepare the way and yeah. point people to Jesus Christ. Well, and even even just the proof that what God says happens. Yeah, again, that an angel says, even from the womb, yeah. and then, I don't know, 30 verses later, we get the baby recognizing <laughs> John, or Jesus, and, and leaping in the womb, right? That, that even from the womb, he's... He's there, so. Love it. Well, Brother, this has been great. Is there anything else here? You I, want I would just point out quickly, we won't take time to read so it, but more. Mary has really a, a beautiful prophecy, prayer, rejoicing. I'm not exactly sure how I would label it, but this is verse 46 to 56. Mm -hmm. It's just a sweet prophecy and prayer and, and rejoicing of Mary. And, and Zechariah has the same thing happen to him in verses... Uh, uh, 67 to 79, he also has kind of a prophecy prayer rejoicing when his mouth is finally loosed here, yeah, right. which we might as well get to that part of the story sure, here. When the time comes for, for the baby to be born, verse 57, uh, she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had shown great mercy on her, and they rejoiced with her. And uh, on the time it came for circumcision, which was also the time to name the child, all the people called him Zacharias after their father. Very common thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the mother said, no, his name's supposed to be John. And they said, well, let's ask, let's ask uh, Zacharias. Let's see what he wants to call him. <laughs> That's it. So verse 62, they made signs to his father how he should have him called. Oh, yeah. This is the indication that maybe he was deaf also. Sure, yeah. uh, and, and so he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. 
He settled the debate. Even though he didn't have anyone in his ancestry named John, this is totally against custom and culture. He was obedient to what the Lord told him through an angel of God. Well, and isn't that interesting? I'll just cut you off. That, that no, that's great. John, uh, um, Elizabeth says, not so, but he shall be called John. And uh, Zechariah says, his name shall be John. If Zechariah is dumb and deaf, how would John, how would Elizabeth and Zechariah come to the same name? Oh. Right? So, so there's, a, there's an indication that the angel had come to Zacharias and and had come to Elizabeth, that yeah. they would both know the same name without even being able to speak about it to each other. <laughs> interesting. Right? Yeah, great it, thought. I hadn't, hadn't thought of that before. That's interesting. Well, it was in that moment when he was obedient to what the angel said, even against common cultural practices and, and pressure from friends and family, yeah. that's when his tongue was loosed. Yeah. And that's when he spake and praised God. And so I love that what comes out of his mouth next is just this rejoicing, mm. prophecies, and praising of the Lord. And, and the, the, even the words tender mercy in verse 78. Mm. I, I, love, I love that whole thing. Mm. And so, again, just Zacharias is a great example uh, to me uh, and would later give his life to protect his son and being able to fulfill his mission. Yeah. And uh, just miraculous things. I love it. I just, uh, just in the last verse here to read here, here is maybe verse 70. When Zechariah is preaching and teaching, he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, mm. uh, which have been since the world began. He used the language of the scriptures uh, to teach about his son, to teach about Christ that was coming. Um, he, didn't, he didn't have to use his own words. He used their words, which I think is significant when you listen to the general conference, how frequently the prophets are... Maybe even not citing, but saying things in the exact same language as prophets that came before them. That's pretty cool. Great message for today. Yeah, love it. Brother Edwards, thank you. This has been so good. Um, I, I would love to just continue on and get into chapter two of each of these books, but, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll leave that for next week. Um, if, if you had a message, if there was something you wanted the young people uh, out there to hear and to, to hold true and to... Uh, to really sink into their hearts, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's what, what we've taken away, at least what I've taken away from this, these two chapters, that, that nothing really is impossible with God mm -hmm. and that God is with us. He's with us in, in the Holy Ghost that we've been given uh, after, after our baptisms. He's with us in, in, uh, in, in the words of prophets. Uh, he's, he's not left us comfortless yeah. and that He really is with us and that we can do the impossible with him on our side. And, and I just have had reiterated to, again and again that God keeps his promises yeah. and that the words of prophets are fulfilled and cling to them and stay true to them and never forget who you are, that you truly are children of God, children of the covenant. Yeah. Thank you. What a wonderful message to end on today. Better good to be with you. Good to be with you, Brother Swenson. Thank you. Of course, we'll see you again.